Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Nearly 50 years ago, in 1976, the Height Report liberated the female orgasm by revealing private experiences of thousands of anonymous surveyed respondents. Cher Height's findings rocked the establishment, presaged the current conversations about gender and sexuality, and made her the target of the patriarchy. The documentary film The Disappearance of Cher Height is a thrilling portrait of a groundbreaking sex researcher her explosive rise to fame and notoriety, and her mysterious retreat from the public eye. The film is The Disappearance of Cher Height. We're joined today by Academy Award-nominated director Nicole Noonan. Nicole, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I really enjoyed this. As I mentioned to you before we got started, I remember when this happened and how revolutionary it was that women were supposed to enjoy sex and this is how they enjoyed it and why and just what a furor there was and what i didn't remember and i'm so glad it, that it's in this film was just how kind of systematically she was dismantled yeah yeah i mean i i appreciate you saying it like that that's how it felt to me when um when we started researching the story and looking into kind of how did that happen which was the original question you know i had read the height report when i was 12 and it really changed my life because i learned things and explored things through that book. It was like having this incredible collection of female friends of all ages and races and types with all different kinds of proclivities and this and that kind of just tell you really actually going on in their sex lives. And there's really kind of not been anything like it, um, you know, before or since. So when I read her obituary in 2020, the headline in the New York Times was share height. She explained how women orgasm and she was hated for it. Yeah. Um, I, I just had almost like a like a shock of recognition, like this is something I have to encounter and deal with and look at and explore, because how how could that possibly happen that she would be so completely forgotten? And then looking at the footage, you do. It does seem systematic. She was ultimately made into kind of a, a product, like kind of kicking her around these talk shows and, and, and the media and discrediting her and almost kind of making fun at her became, I think it, it, I think it was beneficial to news shows because it was entertaining to people, but the motivation behind it, I think was to kind of help suppress what she was saying and what she stood for, you know? And so you can see that it's not a conspiracy, but it's a cultural phenomenon that does happen when, when, especially women, well, women or any other oppressed group, you know, really speak out. Cher was kind of taking the slings and arrows for the thousands of women and men who got to speak their truths through her book. You know, this is an example, and you, as you watch this sort of blood sport take place in the film with her, there's a reason why misogyny and patriarchy and all, all of the things that are systemic issues that remain to this day are so powerful. And every once in a while, those prejudice, those systems have to flex their muscle in order to stay mm -hmm. where they are. That's a pretty broad statement for the work of one woman doing what she did. But in many ways, it was one of the few times where it's on display in a way that is, if you want to see it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I think we all felt working on the film like it was very important for people to see it 
there's multiple levels at which I think Cher's story is very important to our society in our current moment. And, you know, one of them is, is her actual work and what she was saying and the, and about the truths of human sexuality and how, how in a societal construct, societal constructs around gender and sexuality. But another way that her story is important is that we can actually kind of see that, see how that silencing happens and how the forgetting happens. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think we didn't know that the Dobbs decision was going to happen in the middle of our filmmaking process, but it did. And so we kind of literally got to, I think, you know, make a film that hopefully really emotionally resonates with people around this kind of like ceaseless kind of progress, backlash, silencing and forgetting that causes us to kind of keep having to reinvent the wheel, feminism in particular, you know, and um, hoping that that the film leaves people both angry and activated to, to try to keep that from happening again. I want to point at something out in, 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 as far as the film itself, watching the film, watching the context of the era in which all this happened. So right around 1976, this book comes out. Uh, this, yeah. uh, the uh, the height report came out. And for someone sitting here in 2023, you look at that film, that video, and you go, oh, that was a million years ago. We've evolved so much, but just as you described, right? This gives us an opportunity to the people who want to believe something different, that that happened a long time ago. And that's not something we have. We don't worry about that stuff anymore. As you just described, right? Dobbs, right? And then, and also our introduction is sort of a social context of the world of sex and sexuality and study of sex goes back to the Kinsey Report and mm-hmm. Masters and Johnsons. And it was delivered by people in wearing white coats, doctors who are telling us about this. Well, in, in Cher, we see a, a be- beautiful woman who embraces her sexuality, who isn't afraid of it, doesn't run from it, is kind of an apostle for that idea that you can enjoy sex in the ways that you want to enjoy it. Yeah, And it was an affront, was it not? No, it was terrifying to people. You know, Car- Carla J., who is this wonderful... Um, professor who is interviewed in the film and was a colleague of Cher's. They were, they were in um, the gay academic union together right out of when Cher was in graduate school. And Carla actually took Cher's methodology and, um, you know, she called up Cher and said, I'd like to do a study like the height report, but about homosexuality. And, and Cher said, great, and helped her do it. And, uh, and it was called the, the gay report. And Carla said, you know, the the scariest thing in the Hyatt Report was choice. Yeah. Because it's it's not it's not saying, I think Kinsey and Masters and Johnson were really sort of saying, this is how it happens. Yeah. You know? And Cher was saying, no, it's like it's it's an individual thing. And it's different for each individual, you know? Yeah. And so she's known for having said women don't have orgasm from vaginal pen- penetration, or most women don't. But what she really was saying is. Many, many people don't, but some people do, and some people don't care, and some people, you know, it's it was this very, very broad spectrum of experience that she was offering up, yeah. and and that's really the the scariest thing of all, I think, you know, to the people who 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 wanted to suppress share and her work is this idea that people would read that book and be able to go out and and have a life in which they activated on those things that made sense for them in the way that they wanted to. And I think Cher and other people who who were working with her and around her at that time made a huge 
difference in our society. And you can see that today, you know, you can, you can see, so there's so much more, I think, of an understanding of gender as a construct and of, you know, an understanding that there are so many different ways to express sexuality. And yet still, I've been talking with, you know, women who are activists around trying to make sure that the clitoris is kind of known and has a profile and they still get censored in major publications. You know, people don't want to hear that word or use it. Many people don't know how to pronounce it. I mean, it's like there there still is a um, sex you see in movies, uh, heterosexual sex that you see in movies, typically, although that's changing a little bit now that women are becoming, you know, directors of scripted films. But typically you're not, you know, seeing any acknowledgement of that. As Shara herself points out in the movie, there's like still no word for clitoral stimulation. We have to say clitoral stimulation, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think there's 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 many ways in which we haven't really progressed in the conversation as is. Imagine a world where people said penis. Yeah, exactly. I just want to remind our listeners we we're talking about this wonderful documentary film called The Disappearance of Share Height. We're uh, talking with the director Nicole. Noonham, and uh, she's also known for the Oscar-nominated uh, film Crip Camp. I, I want to talk about Cher because I found her to be utterly fascinating, a woman of her time, uh, in the sense that she had adopted a lot of the kind of counterculture sort of vibe. There was a there was a freedom, the kind of the sexual liberation movement of the the late '60s and into the '70s. She seemed to embrace it. What what did you find um, interesting and and maybe even um, surprising about her as you got more into her life? I think maybe the singularly most astonishing thing about her, and she was pretty astonishing in many ways, was that even from um, a very small child, which you can, um, you know, get a sense of if you if you read her autobiography, she was like an alien who landed on the planet and was able to see things clearly, separate from their societal constructs, and then right. asked why, you know, why does it have to be this way? And I think she had experiences as a child of being shamed for, for having sexual feelings. And she never lost her kind of sense of, well, outrage that one should be shamed for something that's so natural, but also her belief that if we could unpack and um, the structures that were oppressing us and be relieved of shame and experience pleasure, we would all be better people and we would have better relationships with each other. Her idea of she says in the film, I'm undefining sex. I can't tell you what the new sex will be. But some of uh, the indications of what she thought sex maybe could be that exist in her writings include just like um, she felt people should touch each other more. Like she felt like there were so many ways in which uh, humans could benefit from from close interaction and physical interaction that that were not about, you know, the buildup to intercourse. And that's it. And I think she just felt sad about how limited that was and how many people it was leaving behind and really believed that she could change it. And when you think about it, you know, sometimes we would be cutting the film and we would be thinking, this is really like David and Goliath's story. You know, it's like one person taking on the patriarchy, of course, with all of her friends and colleagues and, you know, all of those amazing women who wrote in the responses to her a hundred plus questions <laughs> yeah, about their most yeah. intimate lives, which was a major contribution too, you know. But but the fact that she never lost her belief that we could evolve to a point where we could get past these patriarchal structures and and all the pain they cause people, 
was is really compelling to me. And and to go along with that, the feminist movement phrase, the personal is political. I mean, I think she just she understood that she believed in democracy, but she didn't see how we could have democracy if people were being oppressed in their bedrooms. And so it's quite literal, the personal is is political in her mind. And um and she always said that was the thing that really put a target on her back. You know, like if she had been Dr. Ruth or something and she's just saying, oh, let's give women an orgasm and won't that be, she would say, won't that be cozy? You know, then people wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it. But she was taking it to to the level of politics, you know, and that was terrifying to people. You know who she reminds me of? She looks like Bowie from that era. That's just really the, interesting. Feels like she's kind of a Ziggy Stardust kind of vibe to her sexuality. Going and, along with the space alien thing? Well, I guess. I mean, just the the look she had. Because I, I remember when Ziggy came out and I was like, kind of the well, I mean, pansexual. I mean, I think she was, um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying she was, that diminishes what she did in any way. It just, it no, just kind of no, struck me that. That's very interesting. I mean, I, I think there's probably a kinship, like you're saying, around yeah. uh, refusing to be bound by um, what what you should, how you should be dressing or how you should be looking or how you should yeah. be expressing your sexuality. Cher was definitely like not punk in her in her style. No. But what I think of that kind of a punk spirit of just being completely um, iconoclastic and un- unwilling to compromise yeah. um, and uh, and being very, just being individual and unique in the way that Bowie was. I can sort of see that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, I I love the film. I thank you so much for bringing her back into the into the public realm in a way that is befitting what she did and how she went about living her life. I love the fact that she did not shy away even under this withering uh, um, kind of uh, abuse and and catcalling that they were doing with her in all these different public spaces. She she stood her ground in ways that I I truly admire. And thank you. Thank you for this, for this film. It's really wonderful. So thanks. Thank you. The film, again, is called The Disappearance of Cher Height. And we've been speaking with the director of this wonderful film, Nicole Noonham. And uh, anytime, uh, Crip Camp and now this. Uh, so I look forward to more work from you and uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was really great to talk to you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 